ladies. Thanks a mil for tuning in to episode seven of To My Daughter, the podcast where I talk about whatever I want to share with my currently two-year-old daughter. And since she's too young to understand, you guys get to join in on the fun instead. In this episode, I'll continue to talk about my stay in Singapore, and I've just decided to go in a chronological order so that my experience of being a parent and stuff, that will come later on. But in the following episodes, it'll be a lot about career. In this episode, I'll talk about how my boyfriend Shuma, now my husband, landed a job at Google. And I'll share some stories about how my colleagues were laughing at my expense because my Vietnamese kind of sucked. I'd been in Singapore for about a year before Shuma came to visit. In the meantime, I did come home for Christmas to visit and stuff, of course. But um, he came to visit for three months with a mission to find a job in Singapore. He actually applied for a sabbatical leave from his job, but it was declined. So he basically quit his safe full-time job, sold his car and his Breitling watch, and flew over to Singapore to be with me. And the reaction I got from a lot of people around me was like, wow, he just dropped everything for you to be with you? And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders because... Yes, of course he did. If he loves me and he wants to be with me, then either we continue the long distance relationship or he tries to get a job in Singapore. Because I wasn't done pursuing my career and I wasn't going to let anyone be in my way, especially not the person I love. I expect my partner to support me and my ambitions and vice versa. And the way I think is that if the person I love decides he doesn't want to be with me because I'm pursuing my career, then this isn't the kind of person I would want to be with anyway. And some people hearing this may think, wow, you're so selfish and you're prioritizing your career over Shuma. And to that, I'd say, I truly believed and I still believe that if someone loves you, they'll wait for you. If they can't be with you physically, they'll stick around and they will wait for you because you're worth the wait. And if they're not willing to do that, then guess what? To me, they don't think you're worth the wait. And that was my train of thought back then and still is to this day. I mean, if the tables were turned and a man was to move out of seas for a job, it's almost a given or it's not a surprise if the girl or the woman drops everything to be with her partner. And there are a lot of cases like that. In fact, I think a majority of the expat situations are like that, where the man has a job and the woman, if they have kids, puts her career on pause to take care of the kids while they live abroad. Anyhow, judge me however you want, guys, but if you've ever wondered how an independent woman looks like, then this is it, guys. I mean, to society, you may look like a selfish woman, but I personally don't think it's selfish to work to become a responsible member of society who pays her own bills. Moving on, so when Shuma came over, 
It was nice in the beginning, but eventually I did get a bit annoyed because I would be at work having lunch and then I'd check in on him to hear how he was doing. And he'd often reply that he was in bed or that he just woke up and was ready to go out to get something to eat. And I'd be restless on behalf of him because the goal was to get a job. And to get a job as a foreigner in Singapore was very difficult. And I think it's even more difficult now. So even though about 40% of Singapore's population are expats, the Singaporean government works hard to ensure that locals are fairly considered for high-quality jobs. So there are certain requirements that has to be met for a company to justify bringing in foreign workers. One of the reasons for why there are so many foreign workers in Singapore is because there's been a decline in a very important resource for continued economic growth in Singapore, which is human resource. So Singapore's declining total fertility rate has been an issue for a long time. I remember when I lived there, there were these campaigns that promoted family life and the joy of having kids. And it felt very much like propaganda. There were just a lot of these neat, picture-perfect images of people with kids. And it was just a bit weird to me. Anyhow, so at the end of the day, Schumann and I would meet up for dinner and we would rarely eat at home, guys, because going out to eat at a food court or, you know, just a restaurant even would be cheaper than just us cooking at home. And in Singapore, agriculture accounts for less than 0.5% of the country's GDP. So most of the food in Singapore is imported. And I remember seeing the price of an Australian cucumber was like 10 Singaporean dollars. And that's about $5 for a cucumber, which contains mostly water, guys. Also, the few times that we did cook at home, we ended up with leftovers that we would rarely eat. So we would just end up spending a lot of time, you know, both time and money cooking and throwing a lot of food away. Anyhow, I digress. I'd met up with Shuma after work and we would go out to eat. And actually, it wasn't until my stay in Singapore that I realized how bad my hanger situation is. Hanger meaning hungry and angry, guys. Because we would always eat out, the process of agreeing on what and where to eat and getting to the restaurant or to that specific food court. I mean, the entire process would just bring out hanger in me because I'd often already be a bit hungry by the time we met up after work. So then having to just think about what I want to eat or ugh, that just that was just too much for me, guys. There's this famous scene from the movie The Notebook, which a lot of people have created memes out of. And it's the scene where Noah asks Ali, what do you want? And she answers, it's not that simple. And that's exactly how I feel like or 
felt like every time Shuma asked me what I wanted to eat. There's no winning, guys. Because if you were to ask me when I'm hungry, what do I want to eat, then I'm too weak and hangry to know what I want. If you ask me when I'm not hungry, then I'm not hungry and I don't think anything sounds good. So kudos to Shuma for his patience. He eventually just got me and after work, if I told him that I wasn't hungry, then he'd just suggest a place to go to eat, knowing that by the time we got there, I would be super hungry. And now that I have a two-year-old daughter, I'll look at her when she gets her anger tantrums and I know exactly how she feels. And I've even told Shuma, like, look at Lana. You see how she screams and rolls around the floor like that because she's hungry? Well, that's exactly how I feel when I'm hungry. And very often I want to behave just like Lana when I'm hungry. I just want to scream and roll around the floor. And when someone asks if I want food, then I'll scream no, followed by a quick yes. But I can't do that because I'm a grown-ass woman. So to the best of my ability, I just stay quiet. So if you ever see me super quiet eating my food or before I've gotten my food, then just know that I'm making a huge effort not to yell and scream. Shout out to all of my hangry people out there. I know there's like a community out there or something. I just, I mean, I can't be the only one, right? Anyhow, so once we'd eaten our dinner, I'd ask Shuma about his day and I'd often feel like he wasn't trying hard enough to get a job just because his approach wasn't as assertive as I would have done it. He would send out applications and when someone said they would be in touch, he would just accept that and believe that they would actually get in touch. But I knew that for him to get a job within physical security as a foreign worker in Singapore, that that was going to be a long shot. Because think about it, the employer would have to go through the hassle of applying to hire a foreign worker and ensure that he gets a work permit. So why would they hire him instead of a local person? So I'd often get annoyed that he wasn't physically out getting to know people. And for those who don't know Shuma, he's a tall guy. In feet, he's 6'6", but in meters, he's 2 meters tall. And that's got to count for something when you work within physical security, right? So I just felt like he shouldn't just be sending out applications. He should have been out there talking to people and let them feel his presence. If I were to explain Shuma in a few words... I'd say a gentle giant, which is why I was convinced that he needed to be out there talking to people. But that's not his personality, so I do get that what I was suggesting was out of his comfort zone. Long story short, though, Google Singapore was going to open a new data center and for those who don't know what this is, it's basically where all information is physically stored. 
You know how everyone is talking about the cloud nowadays? That your files and documents are saved in the cloud? Well, that's a lie. There's no cloud. It's stored in physical data centers that are highly secured. I mean, we're talking proper James Bond stuff here, where to get into certain areas, you'd have to get your eyes scanned. And I've personally never been to the data center in Singapore. You do need like proper permission. So it's not like any Googler can just wander into the data center. Anyhow, so I referred Shuma for a role and it was a fairly senior role and he got this interview at the end of his three-month stay in Singapore. So needless to say, it was a nerve-wracking situation because what if he didn't get the job? Then what? Was he going to go back home to Norway and we would just continue our long-distance relationship? And at that time, I didn't know how long I was planning to stay in Singapore or anywhere else for that matter. Anyhow, he ended up not getting the role. So I think when he had to go back home to Norway, it was in November. And I remember so well that once Shuma went back home to Norway, it suddenly felt very lonely. And I started questioning what the hell I was doing, and why I was so far away from family and friends. And I reflected on my many hangry situations and thought, gosh, what a bitch I was. And he was just the kindest, most patient person in the world, just kind of staying quiet, and he basically just knew how to handle me. So yeah, I was feeling pretty down in November 2013, but I went back home for Christmas in December and in January he was contacted again and this time regarding a data center security supervisor role and that one he got, but it did take a long time for the paperwork to come through and I think on paper his title wasn't security supervisor, but it was executive security something something and I think Google actually struggled to justify why physical security roles had to be filled by foreign workers to be honest so Schuma and another Italian guy shout out to Fabio yes he's Italian and his name is Fabio so Schuma and Fabio were basically the only two foreign workers that were hired and after that, there were no more foreign workers within the physical data center security team. But that was it. Shuma had basically accomplished a mission that truly felt impossible. He managed to land a job in Singapore, and it just so happened to be with Google. So when the paperwork came through, we were both beyond excited and I think Shuma didn't want to get too excited until he was physically in Singapore because he probably felt like things could still go wrong and that maybe this was a little bit too good to be true. 
So while I was happily waiting for Shuma to come to Singapore, I just continued my normal work life in Singapore. And some of the things I remember the most about my time in Singapore is how much fun I had being a part of the Vietnamese LCS team. I mean, my colleagues, who were all at least a couple years older than I was, would very often laugh at my expense because my Vietnamese was so poor that it was entertaining to them to listen to. Um, I'd say that my Vietnamese is good enough to have an easy conversation, but often I would have to throw in some English words here and there. And I remember this one time a customer called and I said, Yeah, xin lỗi cái này là ai vậy? Which made my colleague laugh out loud. And I couldn't understand why he was laughing because what I said when I picked up the phone or what I thought I said was, I'm sorry, may I ask who I'm talking to? But it turns out that what I was actually saying was, Sorry, Who is this thing I'm talking to? So, uh, I mean, it's just certain things I've said all my life. And I think my parents have either not noticed or not been there while I was saying these things. So they haven't corrected me. And whenever my siblings and I spoke Vietnamese with my parents, we'd throw in a few Norwegian words here and there because we didn't know the Vietnamese words. And my parents wouldn't always correct us. So, you know, I always thought that my Vietnamese was excellent until I had to work with Vietnamese clients. And that's when I realized that my business vocabulary was lacking or it was basically non-existent. I remember another time when my colleagues wanted to test my Vietnamese and they asked me to read something to see if I understood and I read it out loud. And they all laughed and asked if I understood what it meant, which I didn't because to me, I mean, because I had never heard those words before, they were just sounds to me. And since I didn't have any associations to those words, of course, saying them, it didn't feel bad at all. I mean, to me, it may as well have been excerpts from a beautiful poem. Anyhow, so vailon actually means scattered vagina. And it's a curse word used by young people. But None of my colleagues told me what it meant. They just laughed at me. So I just decided to pick up the phone and call my mom back home in Norway. And my colleagues were sitting around me as I made this phone to my mom. And I asked her, mom, what does vailon mean? And my mom just quietly went, hmm, I know what lon means. It means vagina. But I don't understand why it would be scattered. And I was like, I don't know, mom. I was just taught these words. And my colleagues just laughed and couldn't believe that I called my mom to ask her about this. But, you know, she knew that my question was genuine because these aren't words that I'd ever been taught. So how would I know? 
Anyhow, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks, Emil, for tuning in and allowing me into your home, your car, wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, if you want to see some pictures of today's episode, then I usually post that on my Instagram account. It's podcast underscore to my daughter. So for each episode, I will post some pictures up. So feel free to follow that. And remember to subscribe if you haven't done that already. And as always, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're staying safe. And thanks for now, guys. Bye.